Amen. Do you believe that? How many enjoyed worship this morning? Wonderful. Thank you, Devin. Uh, when Randy uh, told us that uh, he was going to be out for a couple weeks, he's here, but the doctor uh, just said you cannot abuse your voice. And uh, so he uh, made a recommendation. Uh, I think I'm correct for Devin. And so he told us uh, he's a big guy. Well, you were right. You told us he could lead great worship, and you were right. And uh, so he'll be back here next Sunday to uh, fill in for us. Uh, but I got to tell you, we, we have the best worship team that you're going to find anywhere right here. Thank you, Randy. God bless you and our youth. It's so very, very, very good. Uh, meet God. This is part three. But let me tell you, next Sunday, Meet God part four, four. Uh, is uh, if you have a friend, a loved one, even your enemy. Next Sunday is salvation all the way. If a person's on the fence about who God is, if a person's not sure, if a person is sure, uh, then you're going to want to say, you know what? I really need to dig in a little deeper here and really make an effort to be the kind of man or woman or young person that I need to be. That's next Sunday morning in the final um, uh, Meet God series. And so I hope that you plan to be here and uh, we're going to have a great time. Here's what the Bible says, Psalms 121, verse 3 and 4. says, He, talking about God, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep or neither slumber nor sleep. I don't know about you, but I've heard people talk about Boy, dreams that they had where they're running from somebody or running from something. Something threatened them, and buddy, they're in a dream, and they're running for their all they have. They can't, can't hardly get a breath, and then when they come out of that dream and they finally wake up, they're, they're sweating and, uh, and realize that they're out of breath and think, wow, that wasn't a dream, that was a nightmare. The problem with that is we never know whether or not we caught whoever it is uh, that we were chasing, and we never know whether the person chasing us ever caught us. That's just the way that it is. Now, in the Old Testament, they did a lot of running. I want to tell you how that I how that I I know that in the Old Testament there was the basic law or principle of the law that said an eye for an eye, and a come on, an eye for an eye or. That's it, a tooth for a tooth. What does that mean? In that day, population centers around what we would know today as the Palestine or the nation of Israel, they had a very weak judicial system, and here it is. If you committed a crime, people had to run for their lives. For example, if you got in an altercation with somebody, you gave a right hook to them, it knocked them down and their head hit a rock and it killed them, then here's what happened. Number one, that individual who was killed, his family wouldn't call 911. They would not call 1-800-ASK-GARY. They would not hire a detective. One of the members of their clan would be chosen to be called the blood avenger. That person was fast, that person was strong, and that person had the ability to do one thing, track down 
the individual that through the right hook, track them down, and you give your life until that person is dead. That was it. You kept going until they died. In other words, if you committed the offense, then you never knew when somebody's going to come up behind you, someone's going to grab you in the dark, someone is waiting on you. You knew eventually they're going to catch up and they are going to kill you. I'll give you another little illustration and show you how serious. Let's say a woman was riding on an animal. Let's say a donkey, and she's coming through, and it's moving pretty rapidly, and a little child ran out in front of the donkey. The donkey frightened and raises up, of course, and that child is just stomped to death. What would happen is the family of that child would get one of the members of their clan Name that person the blood avenger, and wherever that woman went, wherever she was, that blood avenger would track her down and take her life, no matter how long it took. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. There you're getting it. Well, we often use this term, paybacks. You better stop. It's paybacks. Let me tell you the foundation for that. It is a carnal phrase that goes all the way back for the Old Testament. It is an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, eventually, you'll never know. You did that to me. I don't care if it was in fun. I know you're joking, but eventually, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to pay you back for what you have done. And we say that in fun, but when we say it, we are supporting that Old Testament principle, that Old Testament law. So what does God do? God says, I got to do something about that. He gets with Joshua, who was the young leader that took over after Abraham's reign. Thank you. How many know it wasn't Abraham? I'm checking you out. But everybody here knows it was Joseph. (laughs) How many vote for Moses? May I see your hand? Moses is correct. A young student of Moses, God says to Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to establish six cities strategically located in the region. I want them to be called cities of refuge. And I want you to establish a new law, and here's the law. If a person does something and takes another's life, here's what I want them to be able to do. I want them to be able to run to the city of refuge And when they get in the walls of the city of refuge, then there will be a jury that will hear their case. And if it is stated that it was accidental, the guy gave him a right hook, he didn't mean for him to fall and hit his head on the rock, or the lady on the donkey, the little child hit her head, it was not, and and in fact was stoned to death, it was accidental. If it was judged accidental, that person would get a writ that stated that, and then the blood avenger could not legally go and find that person and take their life because they were judged innocent. It was, in fact, an accident that took place. The city of refuge and the law would protect them. You can find that out, that story, and I know you're anxious to get there right after church. It's found in Joshua, the 20th chapter. But let me share some things that might be of interest to you today. It certainly will speak to our hearts. There are a lot of activities going on in life and culture today that strike fear in us. We know that fear about financial crashes, fear about great difficulty, fear of death, 
fear of having a car accident, etc. Well, let me tell you something. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your business. He knows what's going on between your ears. He knows what's going on in every activity of your life, and there is nothing that you can hide from Him. And then you might also remember that no matter how much you pray, pray, and pray, and you feel like, God, you haven't answered my prayer, and you think, I'm going to reach up and ring the bell in the presence of God and wake him up, he surely must be napping, but he is not napping. He is aware of every moment of every day. Psalms 121, verse 4, God never slumbers, God never sleeps. You can count on him every moment of your life. So the idea that was given to Joshua flows right out of the heart of God. Psalms 46, God who is our refuge, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help when? How many have ever had trouble? Come on, get them up. You've had trouble. How many are married to trouble? How many have a kid that's trouble? How many have a mother? I'm not, not a mother-in-law. I meant I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> trouble. Trouble's all around us, everywhere, everywhere you look. If you listen to the news, they're going to tell you agony on end, trouble everywhere. And here's what I know about the media often, and this is just an opinion. Often they create dramatics. Often they create, and they don't just report the story. They have to kind of add the drama to the story because here's what they know. If, in fact, they can get you to continue to tune in to their station, they're going to keep that drama going so that you'll tune back in because advertisers have to be gained, and the more viewing audience they have, the more they can charge for their advertisers. And so that's drama all over the place, even on the airways. We hear it all the time a political accusation. What day are they going to impeach the president? Or a new disease has cropped up, and they said you better get taken care of in that regard. ISIS is on the loose again. They're not dead. They are still alive. Rockets flying over into Israel and bombing Israel. Israel responds to that. Trouble and anxiety everywhere. You see, one survey said the average high school student today has the same anxiety level of the average psychiatric patient in 1950. A Harvard study says that the adult generation today has an anxiety level and fear level at an all-time high. People are walking around like a tom, time bomb filled bomb, I'll get it right, like a time bomb waiting for something to happen. Well, what do we need? We need a refuge. What do we need to settle down? We know that in the physical, a refuge is something that we can find when we are in trouble. I read a story preparing for this message of a group of daredevils. They love to snow ski, but they hired a helicopter to take them on the top of a mountain where there are no snow trails, but snow everywhere. Some of it goes straight down. If you've ever watched some of the history channels, you'll see that taking place. And so they thought they had checked the weather. They did, as far as they knew. Helicopter dropped them off and left them there. But as they were getting their gear together to get ready to go down that treacherous mountain, 
A winter storm came up that caused a whiteout, and they couldn't see hardly the hand out in front of them. It was so, so nerve-wracking. They didn't know which way was north, east, or west, whether it was up or down. Well, they gathered together and huddled together. They're talking about that, and they're thinking, wow, one individual just said, hold on to this rope, tied it around his waist, and walked about 100 yards, and he found a cabin out in the middle of nowhere up there. Cabin covered in snow, but it was a hunter's cabin. And he went and he looked at it and he made his way back. Of course, told them, I found a refuge that will help us. They followed his trail back. And sure enough, they got in, built a fire, and they were able to survive. Their story says the only way they survived is because of that cabin located on top of that mountain and it preserved their life. Friend, we have challenges every day in our life, difficulties. The Bible said in Psalms 91, 4, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of God's wings. Now, Sharon loves the little swans out there. The big swan loves my car. I can come on the property, and immediately he'll put his wings up, and follow me, before, I think, before he ever sees me. I can come around the pond. He'll swim all the way across to walk out and see if he can attack my car. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I turn around and go to the other side. He'll swim to the other side. That's not animal brutality, friend. Sharon says you shouldn't do that. But they had four little cygnets. That's the little baby swans. And so we saw them and... We knew there's supposed to be four of them, and, uh, and we came by one day, and, and Sharon said, there's one, two, there's three of them. There, there's one missing. And we waited and looked, and on the back of Mama Swan, on the back of Mama Swan was the weakest little signet on the back when her wings were up taking just a free ride. Mama was taking care. I know you're weak. I know you can't make it. And Mama was giving her that free ride, giving that signet a free ride, and giving it that moment of refuge. How wonderful is that? Here's what God says. I want you to know I've taken care of you when you didn't even know I was there. I want you to know that I have provided a standard that would keep the enemy away when you didn't even recognize me. I want you to know that I stood a shield against the powers of darkness and death that came after one of your kids, and I protected them, and you didn't even know it. And then he says, how is it you cannot come and know that I will be the place of refuge every time you get in trouble? We all hear disturbing news, disturbing news of a bad car crash. And wow, someone that we know and love, maybe a child, we don't know the, whether they're going to live or die. I, I had one call where the man was run over by a 1,500-pound cow, charged, I mean charged, had about a 50-yard start and hit that man, threw him way up in the air, deflated his lung. The call that I got, the big 1,500-pound cow has hit him, and he's tore up, I mean completely torn up. I thought, oh, God, how are we going to deal with that in a, pro in a practical way? We whisper a prayer. Sometimes when I get news like that, put on my music. 
raise my hands and talk to God and say, God, this is impossible. I feel the weight of that pressure family. If someone dies of having to tell them your little one happened to die or your, 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 your son or daughter was killed in a horrific accident or life as we've dealt with the last several months, two young lives taken way too early. And what's the explanation? Everybody wants an explanation. It is simple. We have to trust God, but we also have to mourn and grieve and know that God is big enough to hear what we have to say when we tell him we don't understand. God says, hey, I'll be your refuge. You can come under my wing when you feel threatened. You see, 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, keep your head in all situations. I had a family one time that their grandson was in a horrific car crash on State Road 60 down in the Mulberry area, was airlifted to Tampa General. They immediately called me, communicated with me. This is a family that I'd been working on, but they hadn't locked in at church. Uh, they, they came very sporadic, and, and when they called, I knew, boy, God, help me. When I got there, boy, you would have thought immediately they grabbed me, grabbed my arms, said, you got to pray, preacher. You just got to pray. The doctor said it doesn't look good. I don't know that they're going to make it. I mean, I, I saw hysteria everywhere. I saw anxiety. I saw weeping ordinarily from people who have fun on the weekend usually, overlook going to church, overlook. But, boy, now they need the preacher. And I, I said, listen, God will help us. And then when the news came that he did not make it, I got to tell you, it was an unbelievable sight. Here's what Paul says, keep your head in all situations. What does that mean? When something pricks you, when something unfortunate, when your world is shattered, here's what he says. You're going to react in one or two ways. You're going to get on the train of hysteria, and you're going to stay on the train of hysteria, and know the train of hysteria is not going to take you to the depot of peace. It's only going to create more hysteria. But here's what else you can do. You can run to God and say, God, I don't understand this, but I know you promised never to leave me nor forsake me, and I want you to give me peace. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't understand the answer. I got a lot of questions, but God, I'm depending on you to keep your guiding hand on me. And when you do that, the Heavenly Father wraps his arms around us and picks us up and said, I'll guide your path. If you'll simply trust me, God's not in the business of setting us on fire without a purpose. We can read the Bible in our time of trouble. We can memorize Scripture. We can sing praise songs. We can find a quiet place. We can get in a closet and pray and say, this is my war room, God. I'm going to stay here until in my heart of hearts the burden and the tension and the trouble that I have is going to leave. I often tell people when they say, I'm just not sleeping anymore, can't rest at night. I often think to ask, how's your level of personal devotions? Are you engaged? You know, you're not sleeping, that devotion, getting in the Word. What do you watch at night right before you go to sleep? Is it shows that are alarming and programs of violence and 
causes you not to settle down or do you settle down and meditate and just recite scriptures? Do you read Proverbs? Do you read the Psalms? Here's what the Bible says again, Psalms 91.4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. We read it over and over and over and over again. How many remember 1999 going into the 21st century in the year 2000? You remember what the great alarm was? You remember Y2K. Y2K. Everywhere you looked, your computer's going to crash. Airplanes are going to be in the air and the computer's going to crash. Computer's going to crash in the banking industry. Your personal computer is going to crash. Everything you know and that you lean on, it is going to crash. Y2K is on the way. Every news channel, they would build it up. They would continue to build it up and created fear in the minds and hearts of every individual except those who said, hey, God, I'm not leaning to my understanding. I'm leaning on you. God, here's what I know. If it crashes... Hallelujah, I know in whom I have believed. And God, if it doesn't work like it should, I'm going to lean on you. I am not afraid of Y2K. I'd hear people say, Pastor, what do you think? How are you going to manage it? Tell me, Pastor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said to them, I'm going to keep going until it doesn't or it happens, and then I'm going to deal with it and get up and go again. And so I put together a message, and I preached it right before the eve of 2000, and this is what I said. I cautioned our congregation to be diligent and not worry and be faithful. You can find that message in the archives of our video library today. And I said, we do not have to worry because the one who created us is on our side and will in fact guide us and protect us. Amen. Listen, Y2K is no problem. If he's already conquered death, hell, and the grave, surely he can handle Y2K. God, God never created us to walk in a way of fear. Here's what he said when you listen to that stuff in Matthew 10, 16, be wise as serpents. And What? Gentle as doves. Wise as serpents, gentle as dove. He never created us to wonder, well, when is the next shoe going to drop? Hello? When's the next shoe going to drop? You program your mind and your spirit that there's going to be a next shoe that drops. But here's what I found out. God never created us to have that fear and that anxiety, and he's never, he has never left us unprotected. Unprotected. Never left us unprotected. You see, we are surrounded by the promise and the covenant of Almighty God. Psalms 91.5 says, You will not fear the terror of night or the era that flies by day. Amen. There are moments in our lives, in our past, that we can look and say, that was a painful time. We can look at our lives and say, there's some situations I'm dealing with that could turn out sour. And you can live on the edge, and you can live in that past of that hurt. Or you can say, well, Lord, I'm not going to fear the terror of night or the air that flies 
by day. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you. Whatever happens will happen, but it will not happen without your knowledge and your hand on my life. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The great healer of emotions that have been hurt is the presence of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, say amen. We need to be aware of the lies of the enemy. We don't need to get on social media and talk about all the bad things and create an attitude of anger and bitterness and fear, et cetera, et cetera. There are many people in this world that will try to create fear and anxiety and trauma. I was watching the news the other day, and the announcer gave out several tough things that were happening and had to do with disease and the political situation. And this is what he said. He looked right into his teleprompter and he said, but we're going to get you through this. Don't change your channel. I'll be right back. And I said, I won't. Like a news telecaster is going to take me through this. I want you to know I got the hand of the hand of the man of the man, and his name is Jehovah God, and he's as real as the breath, breath you breathe. You see, we understand. I was watching a program. I like to watch. I, 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 I channel surf. Now, that is, what does that mean? I put the guide in, push the guide. And then I just roll the guide, see something that catches my lot of rigid religious programming. You know, I'll, you know, I'll plug into that and maybe look at it just a few minutes. If it's a nut case, I, I go back to the guide. But one the other day was, if you'll just send so much money, we'll send you an entire case of joy water. This water will be guaranteed to make you have a joyful life. If you'd like 24 bottles of this for $59.99, I thought that'll take your joy away. You go down to Sam's and buy all you want, 24 bottles, hello, a whole lot to you. But this joy water, you know what they did? They took the label of whoever processed that water and put joy water on it by their ministry. I'm here to tell you, only one person can give you joy. It does not come out of a bottle, hello? And then I thought, well, that's interesting. Then I put to another channel. And they said, you need to be ready. Folks, you need to stock up on your rations. You need to have a bomb shelter. You need to have fresh air. We just happen to have the kind of air conditioners that give you fresh air. Bless his holy name. We have the rations that you can get that will last you 50 years. 50 years, it'll still be good. If you have it, you can get that. We have it in different varieties. You will not have to worry when catastrophe hits and the tribulation sets. You can run to your shelter, take your rations that are already there, and you'll be one of the ones that will survive. I thought, I don't need your rations. I got in my car, went straight to McDonald's drive through and got me a double cheeseburger without the bun and without the pickle and everything else. I said, God, thank you very much. What am I trying to tell you? Be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. I don't want to walk the fence. 
When I sing, He's my Lord, He's my Lord. He has risen from the dead, and He's my Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not just my Redeemer. He's my Savior. He's my protector. He is my increase. He is the one that guides and protects. And I thank God that I can lean on him and all of this other stuff. He'll guard me in the shadow of the Almighty. So here's what I'm going to give you, a couple of scriptures. And it's Hebrews 13, 5, commit it to memory. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Memorize it. Here's another scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7, just a few among many. Cast all your cares on him because why? Come on, because why? Because he cares for you. Memorize it. Philippians 4, 13. Let's read it together. Here we go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you stand to your feet? 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7. As you're standing on your feet. As you're standing on your feet. Let's read it together. God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Memorize it. Memorize it. If you live your life that way, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with those grandkids. Take them to the Lord in prayer. I don't know what I'm going to do about that, that balloon note that's coming due. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I don't know what I'm going to do about this physical problem. I do. You're going to take it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, you conquered death, so I don't have a thing to worry about. I'm going to trust you. When you and I lean on Jesus, when we lean on him, he's strong enough to keep you safe. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, the strong son of the living God, we thank you today that you've encouraged and you've admonished and you comforted us. We thank you today because we know there are many that are listening online and many in this room right now that needed to hear this moment of encouragement. And God, I know that there are several needs or many needs that I personally aware of individuals here or individuals I know that might be online. But God, I just want everybody to know your word will not expire. And there your arm is not too short. Your ear is not too heavy. And Lord, your compassion has no limits. You have the ability to lift us up. So whatever it is that we think we're missing, and maybe somebody in this room feels like, I gave 10 years to that situation. I lost 10 years. But God, that's no way to look at it. Because they were able to live for 10 years and there had to be some moments in which they received the divine anointing of your spirit. But rather we look and say, God, this coming 10 years is going to be better than the last 10 years. And I say so by the word of my testimony. But for some of you here, you're afraid of something. You're afraid of some situation or you're afraid of someone. And some of you are afraid if Jesus were to come right now. You know your heart is not in tune with the way maker, with the promise keeper, with the redeemer. 
And we're going to give everybody a chance to pray this prayer after me. Everybody, please, together. And those of you online, let's repeat this prayer after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. And I believe by faith that I am forgiven. So God, lift me up. Take my life. Use it as you choose. I will follow you when things are good and when things are troubled. I know who you are, and I want you to be the Lord of my life always. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I know. You stay with me just a few more minutes. We're going to be able to give this moment for you to respond. What often keeps almost every time people from responding when conviction is saying you need to pay attention to that moment in the altar is pride. We're, we're prideful. I wouldn't dare say that we're ashamed of Jesus, hopefully never, but pride will stand in the way of you being obedient. Now, I don't know what that means, but I know that if the Holy Spirit is tugging us, there must be something that he wants us to do. And what we have to do is let our heart be obedient enough to respond to whatever God might have, and you may not know what it is. You may need to move on behalf of a grandchild that's rebellious or move on behalf of a friend of yours or move about your own need. Or maybe, maybe you really did pray that prayer and you said, Jesus, I invited you back in to do what you didn't do or I didn't allow you to do before. You might need a physical touch. Whatever it is, as we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to come and be obedient. And then I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Here we go. We'll wait on you to come right now. Would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Those of you on the balcony will wait on you. Amen. If you've not been prayed for and you're all, raise your hand. Someone will get to you. Here we go. Father, nobody's here at this altar by accident. And not everybody that you tugged on came forward. But God, I pray around this altar that you will touch those with a special anointing today. That God, whatever reason that they came, you make a way where there is no way. You give them faith to believe that there is a better afternoon than what it was yesterday. You give them the courage to stand strong. 
You give them faith to remember this is the Word of God and pay attention to it and allow it to saturate our hearts and our minds. God, I pray for our congregation. Touch everyone here as you see fit. Meet every single need, God. And Lord, we give you praise and honor and thank you because we know that we are not paupers. We're not individuals who miss the mark. We are individuals who are called king's kids. And as a result of that, we have a royal bloodline that comes from the throne of God. Now meet every need and touch every life and bring change in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Those of you that are visiting, I'd love to meet you personally, right out the lobby and to the right. Don't forget to sign up for Circle J and be sure you're here tonight. God bless you, everybody.